It's gone crazy. And we're just trying to keep up. Bob and Zip. Bob and Zip with Ed Kelly. And here it is, the 29th of July. We're going to talk a little bit about music. Uh, because Zip and I were talking the other day when we were doing our weekend radio show. And um, he, he was pointing out an incredible band that uh, he wanted me to hear. And it's got a strange name. What's the name? I don't know where they came up Mingo with it. Mingo Fish Trap Band. Yeah. Mingo Fish Trap okay. from Austin, Texas. Oh, well, Austin and, is a great music town, is it not? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and they just, I don't know. It's just one of those. That's, that's you know, something that's the beauty. And back in our day, you know, the radio was the only way you really got exposed to, to <laughs> music. We sort of had a stranglehold on everything. Now with YouTube, you get such you can find it. You know, yeah. depth yeah. of talent it's insane so really this is. band are they huge or medium size or local following do you know i i kind of I, I read a little bit about him they um you know struggled as a bar band trying to make a living but he managed now they he songwrites most of the time but they go out and they do uh, they're a big festival jam okay. band festival act mm. so like so a they fish make all their money during the summer. kind of a vibe in a sense fish yes <laughs> yeah not not so much of a uh they're super tightly arranged but they do play all those music festivals so okay. so that's and that's how he said he's and he his is there is to, actually a guy like there's no jethro tull <laughs> there's a mingo but though. there's actually a mingo fish trap and that's <laughs> all right there's, roger blevins is the front guy who really is kind of okay. the band backs him up and okay. his father oddly so enough, he's is the ian anderson player. <laughs> to Jethro Tull the way he's yeah. from Mississippi it's okay. he can't process um, it without parallels I have to have <laughs> analogies right. anyway check them out when you get them well out. no really I have right. it right here I loaded it oh. ladies and gentlemen to open up the show Mingo Fish Trap tapping doesn't count <laughs> tapping doesn't count <laughs> that's funny The longest counting I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Yourself in fine. I don't need your company, so mama, I don't mind. 
Say what? They do, but they do everything: blues, uh, R and B, real New Orleans second line kind of stuff. They just they cover it all. Well, they appear to be uh, large enough to have a huge following in Austin, Texas. Uh, Texas formed in 1996, so they're 24 years old. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they also appear to be small enough not to hire legal representation to sue us (laughs) for playing that cut, and maybe they'll appreciate that it's a plug. Mango fish trap that should have been yeah. gumbo fish trap because it's quite the mix in there of all the influence the cajun and the swampy and nolan yeah and big time i mean really when you get a check and just punch around a lot of live shows mm. from those festivals and uh the, the the roger blevins jr the guy that fronts the band he controls the thing like a preacher sure. he really mm. does it's it's got it's a gospel feel a, I, yeah he really does i, I already really, have picked my favorite band member though just because of his name the trumpet player Steve Butts, <laughs> <laughs> one of the Butt brothers, absolute <laughs> killer smoking <laughs> horn arrangements. <laughs> Remember the Butt sisters? Yes, chocolate. Name was Bertha. Bertha, Bertha Butt. Um, it, that is that is sweet, saucy music. Uh, That's great. But it is super Im- fun. Impossible super fun, to close your eyes and put on a pair of headphones and not just start like your head Ooh. turns into a bobblehead. Yeah. You know, there's certain bands like even like Tower Power. If you don't necessarily like like soul music, I don't care. If you go to one of those shows, you're gonna yeah. ha- you will have a good time whether you um, want to or not. It's really unfair. and you're the one that turned me on to Tower Power, and I oh. did go see them at Snoqualmie Casino. They were doing a casino gig, and I just and the casino people treated me nice when I was on the radio. So I'm sitting in the third row, watching them, and just captivated. Yeah, yeah, blown away. I, 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 I saw them at Toad's Tower. Place. It was quite the uh, quite the performance. Too, yeah. Yeah. The average white band opened up for them. AWB, I was there. Yeah, I, and uh, yeah. They, they were also quite good. Yeah. And it's funny. Back in the day, we played yeah. Toads a lot, Ed. Did you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In the early days, yeah. And, the, yeah. and when, this, when the lead singer comes on with a Scottish accent, isn't that kind of a shock? Wow, wait a minute, Zip. <laughs> did I buy drugs from you before I had actually <laughs> met you? <laughs> hey, I got an interesting the bass player? I can't remember. Were you the drummer or the bass player? <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick name-dropping thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we opened for... Uh, uh, Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton was from New Haven. His name was Bolton yes, until he changed. Well, it no, used it was to be Bolton. Bolton. B O L O. And some A and R guy went, uh, "Dude, uh, the hair is awesome. The women will love it. Lose the second O and just be Michael Bolton." Because, and by the way, don't sing "Fool's Game" anymore. Well, <laughs> women like a guy who's going to love them and then be Bolton. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love them and leave them. I've been to his house, actually. Michael Bolton? Have you really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. a small world of music, isn't it? Kind of, well, kind of, when you're in the radio business, it is. It yeah. is, yeah. To meet so many incredible people. Uh, so uh, there you have it. Mingo Fish Trap. That's our out of left field musical yeah. recommendation for tonight. So if you like Dr. Hook, Billy Preston, <laughs> and every horn-driven band in yeah. Detroit, you'll love that one. <laughs> uh, and really, he sounds somewhere between Otis Redding and Sam Cooke. And, I mean, he's an exceptional soul singer. He really is. Great. What do you think Roger it's like Jr. to be incredibly awesome and talented and yet not, you know, be a star? <laughs> Made a living out of it. <laughs> you did. Oh, okay. And voice work. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, no, you are that good. But you also, you have some credentials. You've done some big national things. I didn't say and not be rich. If I had said not be rich. <laughs> okay. But the, no, you know what I mean? To be so good that everyone who sees you is like, this is over the top. Yeah. And you basically devote your life to your art and you play and you tour. You're a working musician. And, you know, I would think it would be a great life. I think that the pressure of success makes you, you know, just dig a deeper hole and you have to keep, um, you know, topping yourself. You have to keep everybody happy. Yeah. You know, though, I think with most real, like uh, Tower of Power, I'm always questioning how can they tour that many dates? It's hard work. Ten guys, they're all on one bus. Yeah. They must really love it. They and do. They, and, and as Emilio Castillo says, he says, I hire guys that are great players, mm. 
but more importantly, I hire people who are, you know, great people yeah. who are, or, you know, that's so key. And it's the whole unit. That's the, and, what, may, now, Zip, have you group. ever toured, like gone on the road for weeks at a time? Um, not, not in the traditional sense. I mean, yeah, back in the day. A radio career, to, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Radio. Come well, on. the WKRP <laughs> theme song moving yes, from time really? to time. Yes. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> I, that's but basically on, a U-Haul trailer the most, and all your belongings. Yes. You're going to tell the three, the three of us aren't blessed to be able to really to pretty much do what we have wanted right. to do. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I a, did get a taste of it. And, uh, and I certainly didn't earn it by having chops like you, Zip. But I got to play with a Heart spinoff band called Heart by Heart. And the two anchors of the band, the drummer and the bass player are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's Steve Fossen and Mike DeRozier. Steve's one of the founding members of Heart. And, of course, the girls dumped their band right around 1980. Anyway, these guys wanted to tour, and they got two young girls who are awesome musicians. And great. I heard them. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and so I like sat in with them, and Zip knows the story, but eventually I, I just worked so hard to learn the parts that they invited me to be in the band. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do after radio. <laughs> See, your chops are your chops are electronica and your, your production skills. Yes. So don't shortchange yourself that way. Oh, well. Oh, you oh, were showing up with parts that they didn't know that you would be able to recreate for their live performance. Yes, the, the, the sounds were awesome. I had someone help me with that. The yeah. um, <laughs> Learning the parts were awesome. I had someone help me figure out what they were. And then I was essentially... You know those things you wind up that have the little dots on the thing that play music? What do you call those things? Music boxes? Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, I thought you were talking about the monkey with the symbols. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying was, was I was a robot playing parts as a producer, but it was just an honor to stand up there. And yeah. you know, when Magic Man came around to, to play that, that solo on the Moog synthesizer, yeah. Moog synthesizer, I don't even know Moog, how you say yeah. it. It's fine. It's Moog, I think. Yeah. And uh, and then to play all their 80s. And it's funny because these guys weren't there in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And they hated the 80s songs. <laughs> but the girls on the dance floor yeah. loved the 80s songs. Of course they did. So I would come in and I would uh, Ben would help me learn the parts. And then I would come in and I'd go, well, I've got all the string parts and all the synth parts for this song. And we would play it. And the guitar player would look at me and goes, that sounds like it was lifted off the record. And I said, I make twisted tunes. <laughs> I'm not That's telling you I'm a pirate, but stealing, ignore the patch over the eye. Stealing sounds is the only thing I actually know how to do. But anyway. I was wearing the bandana and eye patch. Yeah. But yeah. what I wanted to tell you, the part of the story I wanted to tell you that relates to you talking about um, these touring bands is all of a sudden we started getting gigs and flyaway gigs. Like, uh, there's a festival in yeah. Baltimore. It's going to be 12,000 people. Uh, and then we were routing you through a casino in Delaware where you do two shows in one night. And then you're playing uh, Atlantic City, of all places, and a casino where it's such a big, famous stage. Frank Sinatra had his own oh, bathroom everybody. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and, and I got to go on these trips, and you would pack all your equipment. And this was when I was, I was so passionate about it. I was like, I have to have all the right stuff. We shipped it out there. And then some stuff you would rent there, like yeah, a Moog like... synthesizer. <laughs> For example. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then I, w I had to rent, because I was the keyboard player with all this crap, I had to rent an SUV, oh my God. pack it, and then drive from gig to gig. And you would, yeah. you would think, we only play a 90-minute set, so you would think we would have a lot of time. But no. You'd get there. By the time you moved all your shit to a hotel room and got it safely in the room, mm -hmm. because uh, guess what? In Baltimore, you don't leave stuff in a car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Atlantic if you've City. ever seen Homicide or any <laughs> other shows that are done about Baltimore. But and so uh, and we were in a a Holiday Inn in a very bad section of town because it was only wanky digs eighty five bucks a night and. <laughs> And so we play this festival, and then the festival's over. And by the way, you get there to set up at like 3 o'clock, and it takes yeah. three hours, and then you do a sound check, sound and everything's check. rushed. And then 
then you got to run back and you're all sweaty and you got to change and you come back just in time to play. Yeah. And then, and be, because I'm not really a good musician or even a musician at all, playing was both joyful and petrifying. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, but the night's over, and you know, now it's nine o'clock, and you want to see another act. Oh, actually, at this particular gig, we were the headliner, right? Uh, because another headliner had um, broken a leg. And so we were the fill-in, and they were so pleased. Well, when, when they say break a leg, they mean... <laughs> yeah, well, and so then you finish, and it's like 11 o'clock. you got to pack up all the shit mm-hmm. into the rental SUV. And by the time I get to the Holiday Inn, it's 1 a.m., and there's pimps on the street in front of the Holiday Inn. <laughs> I mean, there's hey, no rivers. Doubt. We know you're in there, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and I'm pulling up with this car with four thousand dollars worth of keyboard equipment, <laughs> and I and there's a parking lot in the back, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going the two hundred yards from the parking lot back That's one at right. a time with these. So I'm gonna pull up in the front, and I put my flashers on, mm-hmm. and I get out of the car, and I go up to the front door of the Holiday Inn, and you know what? It's locked. <laughs> The front door of a Holiday Inn is... I mean, even they know. Well, at yes. night, yeah, after and midnight. So it says, ring buzzer for attendant. The attendant comes out. The attendant buzzes me in, and I go, listen, I got a problem. I got a lot of stuff to bring in one at a time. He you points, have a problem. Yeah, he points to the dollies. Oh, yeah, oh the hotel And dolly, he, I said, sure. can you look, prop the door open? And he went, no. <laughs> Just ring it each time. So it takes me... Uh-huh. To unload all the gear and get it into yep. my room. Another hour and a half. <laughs> so it's 2.30, 3 o'clock, and I'm all wound up. Yeah, I was going to say. And tomorrow, we're in Atlantic City. Oh, man. And so, I, you know, I, I sleep for six hours or so. I get up. We, we all have eggs. And this is when the fun part happens. When you're sitting around with these band guys and they're telling mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. And I can't repeat some of it. Nope. Because <laughs> you're wise. No, no, she's fine. Are you kidding? She dated Steven Tyler. I, I can't compete. That's um, right. No, mostly, you know, things are said about the band and other members and resentments uh-huh. happen. And, you know, it's all part of the thing. And I felt like, hey. It's know, a soap. Uh, it's a soap opera. It's kind of a soap opera, but also amazing stories. Like the guitar player worked uh, with um, Scorsese on a famous movie. And, uh, you know, they all ran into... Uh, do you know there's a famous story of Anne and Nancy? It's in Anne's book, so I can repeat this story. Okay. When they were in the band with the guys... Mm-hmm. Actually, I could tell you a couple of stories. Because uh, they're out. <laughs> this isn't I mean, the popcorn, yeah. will you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that Roger Fisher was the Bill Clinton of the pack. Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't couldn't keep it. Couldn't keep the monster on a leash. No, okay. yeah. and that's fine. And he's really he, he's become a really charming guy now. And he's still Roger Fisher, but he's he, we became friends, and I, I hope we're friends. After I tell you this story, so <laughs> uh, when they were getting inducted into the Raw, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, of course, I was invited to L.A. and I went. Good. And someone who used to work with the band told me a story that. One night at the end of a gig, like girls would all line up. This is like what you expect from the rock stars in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Girls would line up and musicians would say to someone in security, bring that one back. Mm-hmm. And so apparently Roger one night said, uh, bring that one. And he was going to, you know, he was going somewhere. Now I'm going to get vague about the details anyway he said bring that one back they brought the wrong girl oops and he said ah that'll be fine (laughs) 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 it's not like they've been dating for anyway stories like that and then Mm -hmm. and the and the boys and it was so much fun and then we get to uh, but by the time we drive and get to atlantic city it's two or three in the afternoon and we got a sound check at five or six you gotta set everything up and it was a beautiful stage, by the way. It was one of those stages where it just sounded great on stage. Mm-hmm. Totally well designed. And 
you know, there were a bunch of people seeing the band that were going to maybe get us more gigs. And it was very exciting, very exciting. And those guys, when they play Zip, it's the kind of stuff you know how to do. I mean, they played so tight and well that when my little keyboard parts came up, I essentially felt like I'm in the record. You know, that was the rock and roll fantasy camp for me. It was like, yeah. Wow. get to play the parts but and the girls that you had uh, by the time that you know the the band was together and rehearsed they they rivaled the original girl um in in many ways the band was better than the current touring version of hearts subjectively of course yeah. because they yeah. were all good musicians mm -hmm. uh, but they were but, playing but yours were younger yeah but they were playing the songs true to the way the original records were right and what happens with bands that tour and play the same songs for 35 years? Oh, they want to mix it up. Some of them get sick of their own songs. Mm. And they have to change them up. And then the audience goes, well, I don't remember Barracuda being a ballad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I find happens most often is yeah. the, the, the tempo comes up. Well, temperance or, or down. Live. Uh, um, and yeah. so, you know, we enjoyed making it. And, of course, I'm a Twisted Tunes guy. So make it sound like the record is the only thing. That I knew how to do. But anyway, <laughs> what I wanted to say, and it took 20 minutes to say it, is at one point on like our second East Coast trip, mm -hmm. by like the third or fourth day, I realized I'm exhausted. This sucks. <laughs> well, it's hard work. Yeah, it's hard work. Yep. The travel is deadly. Oh, it's a young man's it game. And, um, and, and if I had gotten lucky enough to be a rock star... And a drug addict at the same time, I would not have made it. You wouldn't be here no, now. No, I mean, here I am, you know, a teetotaler, uh -huh. wiped out. So anyway, that yeah. was that. But. Right, let me ask Zip, if you don't mind, just for a second. But isn't success for most working musicians just having somebody else that will schlep for you? You know, uh, it's funny you should say that because the most successful regional band I was in, which was George's band, and, and Bob knows George, yeah. George Gregory. George Gregory is an amazing sax player. Sax player. Uh, he, you know, that was one of his things as a band leader. He said, damn it, I'm, you know, you know, we're going to get, have people set our gear up. And man, did it make it awfully nice. Oh, you know, yeah, it was still at a, at a regional club level. Mm -hmm. But f so for, you know, two or three years, and we did play a lot, you know, five or six nights a week, mm -hmm. and everything was set up, so we'd just show up and play, which made it a lot nicer. But um, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah uh, essentially, yeah, having a, you know, a drum roadie or whatever, a, a guitar a tech. tech or whatever mm -hmm. it is, yeah. You know, but, uh, but I think the reality is uh, Jeff Pivar, who's a close friend of mine, who's had a, he's in David Crosby's band. He's toured with Bette Midler, he, you know, uh, uh, Shaka Khan. He tell me what he said artists. to you about Bette Midler, if you can repeat Oh, that. yeah, yeah. I was going to tell you this. Yeah. So he gets this job uh, through uh, Morris Pleasure, who was the, the musical director and a guy from, Hart, <laughs> from New Haven, actually. Great name. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm -hmm. Gets him this job with Bette Midler's uh, tour, and he's playing. And it's like, um, sorry, is he playing guitar with Bette Midler? Yeah, there yeah. were two, there were two guitar players in the band. Yeah, total A list uh, L A guys. The whole band, uh, big giant giant. You know, it's she's a diva. It's like share. It's like a share. Yeah. You know, late, I mm -hmm. think they had eleven semi trailers. I mean, just a ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I went and saw the show in Boston, and I ended up watching the jumbotrons because we, you know, we were in the nosebleed and stuff. Long story mm -hmm. short, I'm like, wow, that's great, you Bette Midler, man, this is really terrific. So about two weeks into the tour, he calls me. He was in Houston or something. I said, man, how's it going? It must be really great. Oh, you mean with the world's greatest wedding band? <laughs> oh, my God. And he was referring, because they rehearsed the show and the lighting cues and the in-air monitors and the, you know, click tracks. I mean, the whole thing was so polished yeah. that they could do it, literally do it in their sleep. They could do it. And you know not I mean? only that, but it didn't require them to They didn't improvise. have to pay attention. No, they, there was yeah, no improvising. I'd like to play a little of George T. Gregory, if I may. I don't know if you're on this, but it's got some thousands of views on YouTube. So let's hear a little bit of it. Oh, uh, Let me know oh, if you're drumming. This? Okay. Oh, I don't know. which. What tune is it? Oh, we'll find out in a sec. It's just someone with a phone. So I'm not going to play the whole thing. But it's cool. Oh, man. A shuffle. There you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it... Uh, 
I'll tell you what, what, tell you what song it is. Flip, flop, and fly performed oh, live yeah. at the Sidecar is... Park City, Utah, 2010. Oh, this is uh, back when he was in Utah. Were you in rehab at this time? <laughs> okay. Nice. Uh, it's probably not the right cut to play. Don't worry. Tough room. <laughs> he would much prefer. He, he worked on. He's got studio tracks that are. Uh, does he have studio tracks on yeah, YouTube? He's got a couple of CDs. What's a, what's a good uh, song? Oh, I don't know. We'll dig one up at some point. I'll, I'll find something. All right. You he's find something, we'll play it next week. So, uh, no and today, worries. because anyway. our subject is music and musicians, we're going to play a few Bob's Garage cuts for Ed. Because they're Canadians, and uh-huh. we, we like to treat Canadians nice, especially since some of us may want to move there. <laughs> for That's our true. Health. There's a lot of online inquiries. Oh, I bet, I bet. Uh, 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 and a story about Vermont. Real estate in Vermont is flying off the shelf, and Connecticut, in Connecticut too. Oh yeah, everybody wants to just go into the suburbs now from New York. That's funny because I think of Connecticut as the big city. Yeah. But it's a suburb if you're in Manhattan. I mean, all the way down the New Haven line, this stuff is just getting snapped up. No kidding. Who's, yeah. uh, who's snapping up Vermont property? Is it is it Metro? Uh, New Yorkers. People? So what yeah. has happened is, uh, and this is very interesting because we're not going back. The coronavirus forced a whole bunch of people to shut down of course decimated the service industry restaurants the entertainment Ugh. industry the movies the yeah. hotels everything mom and pop shops uh, everywhere and, and mom and pop stores meanwhile making home depot walmart and jeff bezos billions and billions Rich. more dollars richer yeah richer so it's a too. it's a i mean in terms of in terms of the rich getting rich and good people with a heart getting screwed the story has not even begun to be fully told. No. Because uh, we're still all trying to cover our face and our ass at the same mm-hmm. time. It's going to be exponentially worse, which is always a precursor to revolt, by the way. Yeah, and, and, and there is a lot. We'll get to that. Hopefully we don't have to talk about that a lot because we don't want to put those cable news channels out of business. <laughs> no, we don't. No. Uh, but anyway, up here, um, farms, acreage, Things that have been sitting forever, multiple uh, offers, multiple people driving up. And the first mm. offer, yeah, they will overbid on stuff. Uh, yeah, it's Vermont, so we're not quite there yet. Yeah. But, I mean, people, like some people have been trying to sell homes for five years or more, ever since the 2008 recession, mm-hmm. and now they're flying off in very low inventory. So it's, it's really what's going on with the, with the, I know industry is not, it's tourism and maple syrup manufacturing, but I mean, what are, are, is there high tech industry well, there? So there? I start, yes. So I actually, thank you. Cause I didn't finish my, uh, <laughs> I didn't go where I said I was going to go with the thought. <laughs> so what's going on in rural communities now is there's a land grab by uh, IT companies to put fiber everywhere. And so strangely, around here, and it depends on your town, my town not, but next door in Springfield, Chester, Windsor, Brownsville, there's actually a little town called Felchville, and I don't know if I could ever bring myself to live there. (laughs) How do you keep a straight face when you ask directions? (laughs) Remember, these towns were named in the, um, you know, in the olden times. Yes. Strangely, before porn was even invented, but I believe they were into some strange shit in Felchville. Last train to Felchville. (laughs) So, (laughs) anyway, so what has happened up here is there's gigabit fiber to the home. In wow. many, many towns. And because nobody's put it in in other towns, there's sort of a land grab even in rural areas. Plus, right. uh, the government wants, since rural areas tend to vote Republican, mm-hmm. there's a big push with all kinds of uh, tax breaks, government grants, uh, and, and it coincides with the coronavirus. So it's a perfect storm to get people to move out into the boonies. Because they can well, work especially from home. If, yeah. Especially for a CEO that's got three floors of a high-rent right. district oh. downtown Boston. You know, yeah. hey, listen, uh, can I talk you people into yeah. moving north? I don't so know if you heard. We're creating new exurbs, basically. Yeah. Well, oh, that's interesting. That's a nice way to put it. 
Um, Google has said they're going to continue at-home work until spring 2021 or summer. Wow. In fact, they're creating a Chrome extension just for those people. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And, and this is what's... Uh, anyway, so this is, this is a change from the coronavirus that's going to be... Uh, and in a way, it's kind of nice for America mm. because, you know, it's been weighted towards the cities uh, a lot in terms of desirability to live there, connectivity and all of that. Um, and, and so when it all shakes out, um, you know, there will be some good things and some bad things. Um, a lot of restaurants will never come back. Invest in ISDN lines. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the future. It's like plastic. <laughs> oh, I see. I, that was plastics. That was uh, the graduate, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very good. So anyway, um, meantime, back In to music. Time. Back yeah. to music. Who are your favorite Canadian artists, Ed? Wow, that's, uh, I would have to say, uh, yes, who would be up there? BTO would be up there. Um, I'm not a huge Rush fan, but I did like some of their stuff. Gotta respect their art, though. Holy mm -hmm. mackerel. Oh, yeah. I have, I have had Randy Bachman. Avril Lavigne, because she's cute. But <laughs> Randy Bachman of the Guess Who has performed yeah. at met, my house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and dropping by. Paul Rogers lives in Canada. Which I, I probably doesn't count, but his either wife or girlfriend, I don't know if they ever got married, Cynthia, was a fitness uh, instructor on a fitness program on TV, and that's who he married. Wait, wait, a rock star marrying a fit girl? Really? A fitness instructor, yeah. <laughs> no, she was sort of like the um, Jane Fonda. Jane of, Fonda, I knew where you were yeah, going. She yeah, she was like the Jane Fonda on TV in Canada, uh -huh. uh, and um, she... Very, very nice. Um, and she was a very, apparently a very limber because she could wrap him around her finger. It was amazing. <laughs> you see what he did there, Zip? <laughs> she was a gymnast. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, Jeff Kathan played with him for, as you know, about 15 years. So we'll play uh, some of that at the end. Let me, cool. uh, let me stick a, a props in for uh, Paul Schaefer. Right, he's huh? Canadian. All right, Thunder Bay. Sure. And there Ontario is a recording. Native. It's a little distorted, but if you ever get a chance, it's uh, uh, the world's most dangerous band, Letterman's yeah. band, and the Tonight Show band with Doc Severinsen playing the Letterman wow. theme, which Paul wrote. Yeah. And Doc Severinsen takes a solo on it. It's mind-blowing. We might want to dig that out sometime. It's a little distorted, I, but... I met really Paul Schaefer at a Z100 bash in New York, uh, very briefly. But he does every gig in Manhattan, that guy. He does. I bet he he's does. constantly busy. Is he Is he as easygoing and charming as he... Well, appeared? you know, he's Canadian, David. Yeah, so he's easygoing. Canadians yeah. are easygoing. He, you know, the, he kept that gig. And Dave is not a walk in the park, yeah. by the way. Was not, no walk in the park to work with, by Like, the way. If, if you were robbing him and speaking of walk in the park in Central Park, <laughs> he would remind you to check the other pocket where he keeps his secret wallet, right? You forgot <laughs> that I have Canadian I have Canadian money on this side if yeah. you want any of it. <laughs> Canadians are so nice. Yeah, we try. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Right. I got Fauci's thing, too, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you got it or not, but he, his baseball thing was just embarrassing. Oh, you, oh you, you're, you're still, yeah. uh, you hadn't seen that first pitch yet? I, I hadn't. I'd heard about it and I'd seen, uh, I'd seen, they play it in the background. And they, of course, they cut away and go to the news desk every time. So I didn't really catch it. But uh, he, they put out a baseball card. Did you know that? No, no. Really. Yeah. Tops put out a baseball card <laughs> and it sold over 50,000 copies. Well, huh. you know, might be a yeah, set a record thing 50 set years from now. So, Back yeah. in the great, you know. When we talked about this uh, last week, mm -hmm. I believe we had mentioned that Donald Trump announced he was going to throw out the first pitch at a Yankees game. And then he chickened out. On August 15th. Well, that's not the whole story. I don't know if you've been hearing what actually happened. What actually happened? He saw the Fauci thing and uh, freaked? Um, that is the that is the story. Again, I don't believe anything, even news that sounds fun to me and that sounds uh -huh. very believable. Uh -huh. uh, but here's what I do know: he'd announced last week he'd been invited to throw out the first ceremonial pitch for the New York Yankees in August. He forgot to mention a detail: it was not actually scheduled. So he said August fifteenth, 
and um, and it's just one of those only two Pinocchio awards. <laughs> <laughs> you you were familiar with the Pinocchio? Yes, right? I am. The nose grows. Four chart, Pinocchios yeah. means Four. you were lying out of every hole in, in your, your head <laughs> and the yeah. rest of your body. <laughs> <laughs> two Pinocchios means there was some truth to what you said, and so the truth is. The Yankees had a standing invitation for the president of the United States to throw out a pitch. Uh And um, just before Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert who's been a thorn in the president's side in recent weeks, threw out the first pitch for the Washington Nationals, that's when Trump made his surprise announcement. Hmm. And... um, he was, people say he was jealous of Fauci's attention. It sounds believable to me. But Trump announced the game August 15th, and the Yankees actually said, uh, we never invited you for that. He got stiff-armed. And now Trump has backed out, I believe. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> I see the damage. The, the damage control going on. Yeah. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of interesting, there's a lot of funny stories about, I don't know what actually happened, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the big deal is. This is this is such a sideshow from what we should be caring about. Let the sideshow be. Speaking yeah. of sideshows, I sent you a Fauci movie trailer. I don't know if you got it. Or... Oh, it's Dr. Fauci. Here we go. Dr. Fauci's baseball card showing his first pitch has sold more than any other baseball card ever and now he's taking advantage of his baseball fame my pitch just a bit outside it's dr fauci in baseball movies like field of vaccines if you build it he will come yeah but if you wear a mask you will flatten the curve a league of their own virologists do you have corona do you have corona there's no corona in baseball and the pride of the cdc today I consider myself the luckiest man on the coronavirus task force. It's Dr. Fauci in baseball movies, coming soon to theaters, if they ever open again. Yeah, if they ever open again. Apologies to the Lou Gehrig estate. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Now, the other one is China Seeds. What are China Seeds? Well, I don't know if you know, people have been receiving mysterious uh, packages in the mail, mailboxes. Did you get one, Zip? No, I did see that story, which I thought was pretty odd. It does seem very strange. Do you know what kind of seeds they are? They're different. Some look like pumpkin seeds, some are black. I mean, but it's very nefarious, and people are really suspicious. And they're just completely unsolicited. Yeah, yeah, and it's Ag- coming from the state, uh, the state mail in China. Hmm. Agriculture departments in at least thirty-one states are issuing warnings against planting them. So this is like that video that says, "You won't believe how naked I am in this video," and you click on it. <laughs> <laughs> Only this is agriculture terrorism, right? That the yes. seeds will grow up to be a giant beanstalk that'll kill everyone in your neighborhood. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, well, uh, we, made a little, we made a little commercial that might. According might to people who have checked them out, they're just random plant seeds. Uh-huh. Uh, so and people are urged to report these unexpected deliveries to their local agriculture department. They- there's a new seed. China. China seeds. The mystery seeds that grow. It's fun and scary. Simply check your mailbox, open up your mystery package, plant those China seeds, and watch bioterrorism grow. Diseases. And now grow a whole collection of nightmare spores with new China seeds like jewelry, toys, and earbuds. Guess what? It's not what you ordered. It's China seeds. China. China seeds. The bioterrorism that grows. China. China's seeds are available anywhere you have a mailbox. Don't actually plant them. They're dangerous. Makes a terrible gift. Ch-ch-ch- don't plant them, please. <laughs> so, uh, there is a theory, by the way, in the news about what is actually going on here. Yes. And it's a thing called brushing. Have you heard of it yet? Um, where you, um, where you uh, interfere with the natural order of things and the nature of another country? Well, um, it's funny because that's one... That's one of the Theory. definitions of that. In terms of this particular scam, mm-hmm. the packages is a brushing scam by a vendor used to bolster product ratings and increase visibility online because they ship something incredibly inexpensive to an unwitting receiver and then they submit positive reviews on the receiver's behalf under the guise of a verified owner. Ah, oh. they're stacking the deck. Yeah. Yeah. To, all to get me to import Chinese Chinese giant pumpkins. I guess yeah. I don't know. 
uh, although not directly dangerous, they still want people to contact them because, you know, yeah. who knows? Seems like I mean, a, a non-cost-effective way having to brick and mortar a product to get a digital, you know, like. Mm. A billion people have a lot of time on their hands. If- <laughs> Wow. Uh, once the package oh, is delivered, the owner of the Amazon account that ordered them, or the, the, the owner of the Amazon account it was shipped to, is listed mm-hmm. as a verified buyer right. and then a verified review. So, oh, phony wow. reviews are a huge problem online. They sure are. Yeah. I, I saw uh, Regis Philbin for um, Ginkgo Biloba this morning, so I know that that's. <laughs> Come on, I'm, like, I'm not even around anymore. I'm Give me a point. break. How can I endorse a product when I'm dead? <laughs> too soon? <laughs> no, I don't think it's too soon at all. I think he'd love that. Oh. Um, you know, he, I, I was pretty, uh, it was pretty nice to see. He got a lot of compliments over the years. You know, he did. He was loved. I'm a big fan of him. So when a, when a guy like him dies, it means you can use his voice impression for a week or two and that's it right well there's no such thing as intellectual property who's gonna dig that up (laughs) no but i mean yeah enjoy (laughs) (laughs) thank you bob yeah i will enjoy it today yeah Um, so fake reviews seemingly legitimate reviews created by a seller or someone paid by them are becoming harder to spot there are solutions amazon and other e-commerce sites have been hesitant to do anything, uh, but there are a few ways to identify fake reviews on the internet. Do you know, want to know what they are? I do, because I'm, I'm reviewing anything before I buy it. First off, uh, if you happen to come across a review you think is fake, fake, always do the right thing and report it to the e-commerce website, and they potentially will investigating it. Yeah, right. will be investigating it, and there's a thing called report of abuse, a little link to the right. Mm-hmm. of the reviews. Do you uh, really think that goes anywhere? Well, <laughs> I was going to say, does it go to the one in Beijing or Am- Amazon, Best Buy, and Walmart say that they actually uh, do, you know, obviously monitor this. Okay. Um, websites also require to log in your account before you can do anything about a review, so you have to be an account member yeah. if you want to do anything about it. There's an online tool called Fake Spot. Oh, interesting. Do you download it? Uh, no, not yet. It re- it rates how reliable product pages are okay. for, for Amazon, Best Buy, Google, Sephora, Steam, TripAdvisor, Walmart, and Yelp. Their Thanks. algorithm looks at the review, and the reviewer analyzes the language, previous reviews, and purchase history of the piece. They basically follow the breadcrumbs. Yeah. And if they so lead back minute, to so Russia... You, you get a gullibility rating... With them? Is that what it is? Yeah. So you take the URL of the page in question and you paste it into fake spot. That's what I figured. And they investigate oh, okay. the win the, and they give you a grade. Wow. So and there are also the extensions for Chrome, Firefox, and Safari that allow you to analyze web pages and determine if they're fake. Wow. So that's anybody else ordered stuff and had it not show up ever? No, I haven't had that. Have you used it? No, uh, super delayed, though, some eBay stuff. Especially now with the USPS doing two days a week or something like that. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're trying to cut back on Oh, expenses. are they doing that? I hadn't noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, have you not noticed? Well, you ordered from Amazon. Everything shows up for you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, stuff but comes yeah. and comes. And I'm USPS. Farming. They, wow. So they're only delivering packages two days a week? In some, in some places, yeah. Oh. Well, we would be one admit, of those I places. Those, they, they I would see shit those on. prime yeah. those prime trucks all the time. Saturday, oh, yeah. Sunday, nine thirty yeah. at night. They're everywhere. You know, yeah. we're so used to just pushing a button and having stuff appear. It's instant gratification. That's yeah. it. we're built on it. Lisa and I have been making. We've been cooking more, and mm-hmm. I've been enjoying cooking because I realized why resist? It's cathartic. It's it's fun, and yeah. so. Um, we make uh, this pod thai oh. where you buy a packet that has the noodles and a mm-hmm. packet that has the dried spicy Spice. thai mm-hmm. spices. Dead oil. And then... Um, you throw and, in some China seeds and well, you're all set. And, what, <laughs> it, and by the way, the package itself, it doesn't, China. It's not much to it. 
but then you put all your own stuff in it. So ah, you, make you, it your own. You saute your chicken, and yeah. then you're. And I've never seen this done before. After you saute the chicken, you throw a couple scrambled eggs in with the chicken. I've done that. Yeah, you've done that. Mm -hmm. And then we have from the garden pea pods, spinach, oh. peppers. You know oh. everything. And you mix all that in, and it ends up being this big, huge pod thai. And my favorite. And Lisa has this oil that I don't know where she got it. Um, in the international district in Seattle, I think. Yeah. It's but actually it, baby oil with salt. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheap. Hope not. Uh, no, it's a chili oil. So it's that mm -hmm. clear, sure. orangey oil that puts a hot on it, but it's a really good, tasty hot. Yeah. Anyway, so I put some of that on, and we've used it like three times, and I noticed we're almost done with the oil. And Lisa mm. sees me in the kitchen, and I'm on Amazon, and it's called Roland Chili Oil. Ah. And she's like, stop that. <laughs> you can buy it in the store. I'm like, yeah. I'll just push a button, and a case of six of them will be here in two days. <laughs> Maybe it's four to six days now, but I won't notice yeah. because I, my short attention span will forget I even ordered it. ADD. I think Amazon knows that. Well, that's good that you told me about the chili oil because now I know what to get you for, for Christmas this year. Oh, yeah. I'll send yeah. you Flame-proof flame pampers. <laughs> pampers, uh, you know, grandma and grandpa pampers, though. I don't yeah, want yeah, the yeah. ones of my granddaughters. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. I'm sorry. So, uh, that's another thing about getting old. Yeah. You mean the ones that turn liquid to gel, though? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, you know too much about this. Those are joke Zip. pampers. Yeah. <laughs> Here, Grandpa, you'll like these. <laughs> I used to be with Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Now I know wind personally. <laughs> Very nice. Terrible. So uh, to bring this home today, we're uh, going to play some... Uh, oh, should we play the, the China thing? I didn't play it yet. Oh, no. Oh, no, we played the China Seeds. Yeah, we didn't yeah. play that. My the attention span is as <laughs> short as ever. Yeah, I believed you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what we have is we have uh, Randy Bachman. How about we play some Randy Bachman? Oh, love Randy Bachman. This is Randy Bachman recorded live in my garage. He stayed with us at our house for, oh my God. for three days because when he showed up and I started recording, he was like, you make it sound just like the record. <laughs> no seriously and, and he, he appreciates said, production value well yeah. and i said well i only know how to make stuff that sounds like great old hit records and exactly. and i was such a huge fan of his um yeah. and i couldn't believe a couple of things when you meet rock stars uh-huh um, well when you meet any famous person i think and you hang with them yeah the famous part eventually falls, just goes away. away yeah and he's just a regular guy. Yeah. And I, I brought them on stage in London, Ontario, and they were Mormons. And uh, they were on a diet, but they had a lot of food back there. And they shared it. And they were just, just guys. So this is a song called Love You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. And, um, mm, and he's, he sat with us for days and told us stories about how he made his records. And... Um, you know, he told us the story about the pizza delivery guy who came in and played piano on taking care of business, and then they could never find that pizza delivery guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that story? I don't. I've never well, heard that. <laughs> it turns out the story was kind of in his head, mm -hmm. because what really happened is the band ordered out for pizza, Pizza mm -hmm. came, but also a piano player happened to be around when the pizza came. Okay. And he and said, he you brought should, it in. Yeah, and you should put some piano on that song. And the piano player said, yeah, I'll just throw something down if you want. And he walked in there, and you know that dinky blues? Yeah. Little bluesy piano thing? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a one-handed thing. Yeah. Well, the, the reason I know that the story about the piano player was wrong is because we told it on the air. <laughs> and the guy who actually played the piano called us. 
And his name was uh, Norman Durkee, and he's a famous keyboard player in Seattle. He played with Teatro Zanzani. He played with everybody who was anybody. He was a well-known, spectacular player. And he was like, I'm sick of him telling that fucking story. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) And who can blame him? And my first thought was, I picked the wrong day not to turn on the seven-second delay on our show. Because oh, the those who don't know did actually go out over the air. Norman Durkee, yes. he's passed away now, so I'm not oh, good saying anything geez. about him. But, uh, but I believe that Randy believed that it was pizza delivery guy because yes, he's a rock star, and he might might have been under some influences. Right. Who knows? Well, <laughs> I don't think he ever did drugs. I honestly don't. Uh, in fact, as I recall, he's a vegetarian, a real sweet yeah. guy, Canadian. Yeah. They don't. Yeah, they don't do anything wrong, Canadians. Well, great, great show on the CBC. If you ever want to listen, okay, yeah. I will. The uh, CBC. Yes, Canadian the Center for Corporation. Disease Control. <laughs> no. Oh, the Canadian CB. Broadcasting Corporation. Yes, yeah. yes. yes. Right. Here and uh, so to take us out, here's uh, Randy Bachman with "You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet." Bob and Zip with Ed Kelly. Thanks for being with us. Shout out Bob's Garage, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. That sounds just like the original guy. It, it, well, it is the original guy. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but but also, I mean, when we're recording his vocal, we're using the Beatles microphone. Wow. We're going through a Trident 80B console, and you know it had that British sound. The original audio chain. Yeah, it was also it was a blast. He was he was like. Oh, uh, I'd like to do a couple more songs. I'm like, yeah, you can stay in the guest bedroom. Yeah, twist my arm. <laughs> and and all right, I got it. Can I tell one more story? Sure. One more sure. song. So we have taken care of business. TCB, baby. And he says, I want to teach you. I learned so many production tricks from George Martin and the Beatles. Oh, wow. He said what they used to do in that band is they would literally experiment with how to fuck up their sounds and make them different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like like on birthday, you know, they would play a piano or a guitar through a Leslie organ speaker. Sure. And, you know, they would just get a wacky sound. So he said he was with his producer, and they were doing the song, Taking Care of Business. Now, this is the same song that the pizza guy played piano on. So I want to <laughs> tell you right now. I don't know if this story is true, <laughs> but I believe that Randy Bachman thinks it's true. Thinks it's true, yeah. And and, and I believe this is his experience. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I do that all the time. I conflate stuff, and people go, "Well, that wasn't really that person. It was this person." I go, "Well, the story's the same." <laughs> so anyway, he said they were doing it, and I, I couldn't quite get a groove going. Hmm. Uh, and by the way, before he told me this story. He asked me to get something out of the kitchen. <laughs> and he said, we couldn't quite get a groove going. So he said, I, I, I think I want to um, put a piece of percussion on it, but I want it to be so soft that you can barely hear it, but it drives the beat. And he said, uh, one of the famous tricks is to use a milk carton. And so, uh, and when I mixed this, by the way, I followed his instructions, but then I goosed it just a little so I could tell the story for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so if you listen to Taking Care of Business, which, by the way, is his, that took care of all his business because it's the number yeah. one song he's ever Huge. had. And it, you know, it, was, it didn't Staples buy it or oh, Office yeah, Depot or somebody. A and, few people have yeah, used it. And it I mean, those kind of, those kind of deals. Um, they just rent them. You yeah. rent the song and you and you just get massive. Oh, anyway, so this is taking care of business again. Norman Durkee was the actual piano player who never <laughs> delivered a pizza day in his life, but I believe there was pizza in the room when he played this. And then the trick on this song, and it has it on the original record, which you can hear if you know how to listen for it. Right. right. Let me guess, it's doubling that snare drum thing. No, it, it, it the um the milk carton is actually playing wipeout. So during the song, it's right, but it, it's it's in back of the snare drum, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's obviously it, it, um, hitting with the snare, but I don't think the snare is doing the whole thing. Anyway, listen to it. So uh, fattens it up. Is what it so um, the last yeah. ending was a false ending, just like lots of lots of horror movies. <laughs> where the slasher comes back. Here's one more Randy Bachman song, taking care of business.
Gearheads. <laughs> what do you think? That's now, really good. You can really only hear it uh, when you I know, could hear it when the breakdown happens. But you could hear yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. It fattened it up nicely. By the way, the Norman Durkee story uh-huh. made it to Wikipedia. <laughs> That's great. The original studio version recorded by K- at K. Smith Studios in Seattle features prominent piano played by Norman Durkee. Durkee was recording commercials in the next studio when sound engineer Buzz Richmond asked him to play on Taking Care of Business. With paid-by-the-hour musicians waiting, Durkee only had a few minutes to spare. Oh, man. So he walked in there and played it. Rift. Um, Let's see. Quickly conferring with Randy, he scribbled down the chords without listening to the song beforehand. Recorded the piano part in one take. The (laughs) the fact that Durkee wrote down the chords on a pizza box might be the source (laughs) of a long-standing myth mischievously propagated by band members that the part had been played by a pizza delivery man who'd heard the track being played back and cajoled the band into giving him a chance to add piano to it. That's awesome. So I think our show had something to do with this. (laughs) Because Norman Durkee was like, Fuck no! (laughs) (laughs) No! And Reminds me of the Robin Williams sketch. No, one hole, no eighteen. <laughs> and that was back in the day, by the way, when you, so if someone said "fuck" on your radio show, yeah, yeah they yeah. would have to convince a jury that they actually heard it because there was no tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's got true. away with it. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Bob and Zip.